It's Michael Tidwell. Paul. Uh, My last name is pronounced sports. And Michael B. Casey. Block time. It's block time. This is Michael. This is Mike. This is Mike. And today we're joined with... This is Mike. Mike and, again, Paul, who's pretty much a co-host, but... We have to introduce him because yeah, he's be still playing. Mike. I'm going to be changing my name to Mike soon. Okay. Uh, Mike Truthcoin or what is it? Mike Sports? I'm Mike just going to keep it as uh, Michael, Michael Sports. All right. So, All right. so today we have Mike you know, Sports. Maybe, I, I, maybe I'll change my name to Michael Tidwell. <laughs> well, you'd be the third Michael Tidwell <laughs> on the show. We have Tidwell. one, two, and three. So anyways, we have, we have a bunch of mics on, on uh, today. One is new. Mike Monero. <laughs> From Monero Monitor Report, might not be the report, yeah, but uh, he has his own podcast, and I've really enjoyed his content. Uh, Mike, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've uh, been around for a while, but don't really talk to people in, until recently. I started a podcast trying to talk to people about stuff in Monero that nobody else is talking to, and then occasionally get into Bitcoin stuff. So Monero Monitor, check it out. Yeah, cool. for some reason I want to say Monero Monitor Report. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like XMR. I want to throw in an R at the end of your thing. Anyways, I wore this go. shirt. Uh, well, I know this is kind of weird because uh, it's your shirt, but uh, I wore that shirt today at work, and everyone thought it was a Pokeball. <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Like I, I guess maybe I like could, a Master could, Ball or I something. I can see that. Yeah, as and everyone I, can tell, I'm I'm wearing the shirt now. So yeah, so I'm glad you came down to Atlanta. Uh, How did you did you fare well? You, yeah, you know, it's just a, a quick, easy flight down. So yeah. I'll fly out again tonight on the red eye. So okay, you're you're right. out of where? Where where'd you come? I from? live in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, Boulder, cool, awesome. So uh, I'm I'm glad that you're uh, you're part of the BCL. You're you, you've taken up and you're on the Monero Mooners. So uh, y'all y'all yeah, been doing yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I got called up to the big league. Speaking of which, uh, let's go over a quick recap of what's happened this week. Um, yeah, I think we all need to know what happened again. So, so it looks like so obviously the Amanda Dashbees were out. They lost to the Zcash Zucocks, and those are like your that's your arch nemesis, Paul. You actually beat them out this week, and they had a negative fourteen score this week. So they're down fourteen percent this week. Bitcoin is up seven percent this week. You out pace them i i mean you're running track and field it was it wasn't even a match they actually were running the wrong way so it was uh, a very embarrassing uh turnout i guess or result anyways uh the pep- well you know you gotta you gotta get your head in the game if you want to win you have to know which way well which way to run <laughs> that really helps it also helps to know what sport you're playing and that helps they yeah. teach you that in um, in track and field school. <laughs> yep. So uh, the the Pepe Cash alt right man really was on fire last week. Uh, did anyone? I mean, Mike. Uh, obviously, you you beat them out. Uh, Monero's up seven percent. Pepe Cash down eighteen percent this week. What happened? What happened there? How did y'all right, defeat yeah. them so easily? You know, it, it just. Uh... They they had the momentum and then uh, we just we took it from them and uh, you know it's we did we did one of those maneuvers. Have you seen Talladega Nights where 
they kind of come up behind like and then shake they and bake zip maneuver. around and they get out in front zip up around wow yeah. it was so like the, it was bake. like it was like the slingshot uh is that what you're talking yeah, about ex- exactly oh. yeah exactly a little shake and bake. wow that was that's amazing so anyways uh i'd hate to break it to y'all but y'all are y'all are in the finals one, only one of you that's is going to win we're down to the last two yeah, we're down to the last two. Uh, next week are the finals. It's Bitcoin. The it's the Honey Badgers against the Monero Mooners. I wish both of you luck. Uh, <laughs> do y'all have any words? Cordial words or fighting uh, words? I would just say I'm really jealous of Ricardo because I have my own project that I tried to make work and not be a scam. And yet somehow Ricardo does it better than all of us. He's got his own project and he makes it not a scam. And I just think under that kind of leadership, there's no hope of prevailing, but I'm going to do the best that I can anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the honey badgers have a big event coming up in a couple days. Uh, they, they're having like a, a team reorg or something there, you know, there's something going on. Yes. Uh, they're they even thinking about doing like a rebranding from the honey badgers. We don't, we don't badgers. even know how many things there could be more than one thing going on. We don't even know. So let's jump right into so wait, wait, wait. What, 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 what would the Bitcoin cash, uh, mascot be? If, Cashier cat or cashmere cat? Oh, giant pile of cash. No, like, you, what, what's that cash with like the eyeballs and the money? What, what was that from? What? Oh, you know what the guy, the, from the Geico commercial. Yeah, from the Geico commercial. Oh yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Well, do you want? Do we yeah. want to jump right in that or? or uh, do I we think want... that's as good a place as any to start. Sure. I mean, uh, Bitcoin Cash, obviously. The... Yeah, I mean, this is. This Everybody is, was talking about UASF for like the oh last like it. like month or two straight. Just nothing but UASF, <sighs> and you know, it turns out that didn't really matter so much. But, so <laughs> so just just as a recap, or did it? Well, no, it it, it influenced definitely, but I mean, it's not like a fork threat. Really knows, for sure. <laughs> All right, just for the smart people in the room, recap: we had BIP BIP ninety one pretty much have great consensus almost like a hundred percent well it is now it's locked in yeah and and, and <laughs> so we have segwit we have segwit and then who who are the people that want bitcoin cash is it still jihan Wu and i mean who's really pushing this and and the question i ask this is is this still because of asic boost and they still want to maintain some kind of advantage or is this really because hey we just want bigger blocks well, i mean what is this all let's about let's start really? with the who primarily it's it's uh jihan it's a good Wu. question and uh roger Ver. i have some ideas and via btc that i've seen yeah sorry sorry paul all right so so is is there anybody else other than those three okay so we have via btc roger veer we have bitmain yeah and jihan Wu. who else wants this bitcoin cash it's a whole list if you go and find some random tweets that people have put together all (laughs) kinds of companies that i hadn't heard of He's like, dude, you could Google it. Okay. That's what he just told us. Well, I mean, Weird it's pretty much is, all of RBTC. Mike, yeah. Mike, this is the last time we have you down here in Atlanta. You go and look at the list, and it's like, oh, Electrum Cash is supporting us. And it's like, well, prior to three days ago, Electrum Cash didn't exist, so why do I care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but a, I think... Kind of a trademark infringement on a real projects. But I guess, what I'm, I guess what I'm talking about are like mining pools. Right, because via BTC, Roger Veer has his own mining pool. Yeah, uh, Bitmain has their own mining pool. I don't really care. I mean, obviously, you need support, like tertiary externality kind of applications and stuff to support you, or else you won't have anything. But well, let's talk. That, that is a good point. Let's talk. Oh, yeah, that's a good point because, too. Exchanges. Uh, 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 who said they're going to list it? Uh, I know Kraken I said they're going to list it. Yeah. 
Uh, I think there was a couple of others. Uh, I don't know. Is, is Poloniex going to list it? Have we heard? I don't know, but come on, they list everything. They I mean, list. I mean, I mean, if, I, if, I it, if it walks, not, if right? it walks, they'll and it and it maintains value. It's hard to believe they wouldn't. Yeah. I, I'm wondering Basically, if it's going to be on Shapeshift. I wonder if Eric's going to list. Oh, that's it a good question. I wonder. Yeah. Okay, so the fun thing about cash is, I think I'm not really sure what. It, I think it's kind of the negative. It's the equal and opposite reaction to the UASF in a way. Absolutely. People want something where they can threaten a weird thing if they don't get what they want. Yeah, but what and, the hell do people uh, really want now? I think even Jihan has publicly stated that he didn't really want. Publicly stated that he didn't really want to go through with it, but now it's kind of taking on a life of its own. And I think Roger even said something like, if Segwit2x isn't um, carried out in full, then he will switch all of his resources to Bitcoin Cash. So I think it's kind of like uh, a U a BIP 148 or like a UASF. Right, but that's, that's 90 days after Segwit activates, yeah, which but is like a on. month away. So Roger Veer is only going to support Bitcoin Cash after the two megabyte hard fork date, if, if it, it doesn't fails. pass, if it fails, so that means yeah. really at, uh, on August first, you're going to have via yeah. BTC and Bitmain are the only pools. Well, no, I don't think Bitmain's going to honestly. I think it's just. I, don't even, I don't even think about Bitmain. I'm not sure. I, I think you guys are putting exactly words in Roger Veer's mouth, though. No, I, no, I, I, I read he this. He, this is a quote that, uh, yeah. in Tokyo, like two or three days ago. Yeah. So he, he said something. He, like he had an interview on some YouTube show where he basically said that. As the owner of Bitcoin.com, he has to support Bitcoin as it is, and that while he'll keep track of Bitcoin Cash, he wasn't immediately going to jump on it. And then he said something about how the, the Bitcoin.com pool would mine Bitcoin, and then if some of their users wanted to mine Bitcoin Cash, they had contracts set up where so they owned the hash rate and then they would allow yeah. them to switch over or something oh, yeah, but so, the so, so that's yeah. no no that's correct mike but what he also said is that if the 2x portion of segwit 2x didn't go through then he would switch and mine bitcoin cash but i mean that's not immediate that's like four months yeah. away that's a long so time that's like that's and, yeah, <laughs> a non-issue yeah like, Forever. Years. Yeah. Just think of all the stuff That's that we're so going to have to talk about in between now and then. I, it's just like uh, volumes of books. There could be five more coins by that time. <laughs> well, yeah. And the other thing that's weird about it is that the New York agreement was that they would they would do a 2x hard fork within six months. And that wasn't ever mm -hmm. defined as what within six months meant. But I think the right way to read that is within six months of SegWit activation, which would be like February, not November. Well, yeah, but if people if people follow, if the miners do follow the code of uh, the code that's already out now for SegWit2x, the BTC1, it, it's, it's literally hard-coded as it is right now that it will be 90 days after the activation of SegWit. So, yeah, but is there any indication that anybody's running that? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, okay, well, I you can't well, prove it 100%, but everybody because... said NYA, and that's the code of NYA, and they all ran BIP91, uh, so it's it's pretty pretty good to presume that, yeah, they are, in fact, running that code. Yeah, but BIP91 had nothing to do with 2X. I don't know. I think that's a bit of a misnomer, honestly. That's, that's, wait, let's explore that, because I wasn't... <clears throat> I wasn't very clear on that either. Like, what, did BIP91 have BIP, anything BIP to do with a contingent in to... core right now? Is BIP91 active in core? Have, have they released it with BIP91? I don't think they have. So, in fact, Correct. it has to be the Segwit2x implementation of BTC1's version. No, but you no. see, 91 is like a cheap 
like half version of see these things are all just like weirdo meta signaling so it's true the, i mean the there's, only no, thing that matters there's no there's no facts right you can't segment tell is being sure. activated on its bit so the none of the bit 91 or 141 or 148 stuff well 141 of course matters but none of the other stuff matters you, you notice that 91 locked in and then we had no, another two weeks of nothing happening before segwit actually happens right so like it kind of doesn't really matter they might have they could have yeah. run bit 91 or they could have just changed the signal to say that they were running bit 91 and then changed the bit we have no way of knowing because well, all this is chief talk that's true it, it's it's all speculation but the fact of the matter remains is they didn't just signal on bit one they signaled on bit one and bit four and bit four was for SegWit 2x. It was part of bit 91, but bit 91 was made for SegWit 2x. That's the reason it came bit, about. Bit 91 was bit 91 was a minor way of doing the same thing as what UASF did. So what bit 91 said was that in one of those given periods, if 80% of the mining hash rate signaled on bit four, on bit four, then after some other small period, they would begin to enforce bit one's uh, signaling. And what big bit one signaling is, is SegWit. It has nothing to do with two megabytes. Well, well yeah, no, no, no. That's true, but it was actually introduced by James Hilliard on the repo of BTC1, which is the code running two megabyte. Like, literally, that's and where James bit Hilliard 91 has came said from. That he thinks that the two megabyte in three months is way too fast. Well, All yeah, I know James Hilliard said that, public. but it was released under that project, and that's what people were agreeing to. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's... Well, we have no way of knowing. I mean, well, if, if, if it was if just the, a well, vote for Segwit, they would have just they, signaled the, the bit two one. are only connected through the New York agreement, so they're not connected in a code sense. Correct. Correct. So there is no way of telling. The world looks just the same in world A and world B. So there's no way of knowing. Wow. Way I mean, to cut through that, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, this, unless this, we like interview everyone and cross-reference their stories against each other. And just, well, it's true. But I mean, it seems like it. an agreement in spirit, either that or, you know, they're just lying to get what they want. So either case. No, or they need scenario. a pretext. Well, they yeah. Say they want to do something and they need some excuse that just says like, oh, okay, New York agreement. Finally, we can activate SegWit without getting killed by Jihan, or the other way, completely the other way. They could be like, oh, um, we really want larger blocks, but we can't alienate core. Oh, we had to do, we had to do two. I guess we'll find form. out in three months, right? Or That's four months. Hmm. So, so what's... We might find out sooner. Why, why is that? So, so, so as it is now, I think somebody else already said this, is that people are signaling SegWit, but there's no indication that anybody's actually going to enforce if people stop signaling SegWit. And so there's a ver very real possibility that before August 1st, when UASF kicks in and UASF begins to force everyone to either signal SegWit or they ignore them, there's a very real possibility somebody like AntMain and their pool and all of the pools that are attached to them will begin to stop signaling SegWit. Well, uh, because if you me. go and look on... I, I, I don't, oh, correct so me if, if I'm wrong. I don't think that was the case. Um, I, I think Bit... BIP91, as soon as it activated, it began orphaning blocks that don't signal SegWit right now. If running that. Well, no, well, okay. But right, as of right now, 100% of miners are signaling SegWit right now. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Right. And, and they're all now but the only way to actually blocks. Test if anybody's, so the only way to actually test if anybody is enforcing that is to stop signaling it. 
which you could then make an argument is a hard fork because you could make an argument that now it's in the consensus that you have to signal for segue. But I mean, I mean, the same logic could be applied for forks. UASF because if nobody else is signaling it, then, you know, if right now, if no miners are actually signaling it, then there's no way to tell unless somebody actively tries to mine a block that's invalid, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what we, what we really need is there's a lot of meta stuff going on. What we really need is for someone to make a Segwit transaction and then spend to it and then spend from it and then, you know, watch what happens. When is that going to be possible? So not for another two weeks after. I think it won't really be possible until, I don't know, off the hand, but I think I think maybe it, It's August. like it's, just under four weeks. it's the end of August. So, so, yeah. like, so tell me, you're, so you're like... Yeah. You're Yesterday, talking about uh, oh, the new segment segwit signaling period started, and so assuming that that two weeks lasts where 100% or 95% or whatever signal for segwit, then there's one more signaling period that you have to wait, which presumably then allows anybody to upgrade their software, and then it'll start. So it's like just under four weeks yeah. that somebody could do a segwit transaction. All right. So the fact that uh, I remember we talked about this earlier. Uh, UASF was going to change some magic number and anyone not doing that was not going to be part of their network. Is that still the case even though SegWit's locked in? No, because that's the one change. Okay, I'm just making sure. Like, So what were you talking about? Like, in Because uh, I was under the impression uh, UASF is kind of dead now now that we have bit well, 91 I mean, it's so what, dead or it won either way you want to say well, it's that irrelevant. I mean, it's, it's irrelevant yeah well i mean it's, mike's it's mike like you, mike brought his uasf hat it's not irrelevant yet obviously well Why, yeah. he was just talking about uasf would still be activated on august 1st Is he's that... saying if everybody's lying right now which they could be okay <laughs> that's what he's saying if, if absolutely all of the yeah. miners right now are lying the interesting <laughs> thing is the minor the minor signaling kind of adds a bunch of people to the UASF team who think that they were supposed to be there. Yeah, but wouldn't that... wouldn't wearing a UASF hat. No, but... So it's strictly worse. But hold on, hold on. But you never know. As I far mean, as like calling them out or mining an invalid block, wouldn't they be mining an invalid block because they're doing it before the period that it's well, valid? valid, you know, valid is a term of art, my friend. We <laughs> okay. don't really, you know, there is no valid. Like Satoshi's got yeah. his valid and then... And I used this metaphor of like Venice or something where like you build a brand new house like on the edge of the water and maybe it will get knocked down. But then over time, it's like settles in and it's stood there for a, a thousand years. It's like the Lindy effects, like in the Seam to Lab thing where stuff's been there for a while, it'll probably still be there. But this newer stuff is like, you know, it's not there and then all of a sudden it's there. And then it's sort of like a ratchet where it only turns in one direction, but it's not really. It could. You're so full of metaphors. Stuff. I have Paul. no idea what you're talking about, Paul. You lost <laughs> wow. me. You yeah. lost me at house settling in. Oh, there you go. I mean, the, the reality of it is that right now, the only people who presumably are enforcing that people have to signal for Segwit are the miners, and there's no way of knowing if they're if they're enforcing that. But that's what that's what the current situation is. On August first, anybody running a UASF node will also begin to enforce that. Now, it's possible that other people still will continue to not run either of those two pieces of software. And most people might still be running stuff that just basically agrees with what the core implementation is, which is that you can signal whatever you want. And if 95% of people signal for SegWit, then SegWit will activate. And, and so until it actually activates or until the entire community builds a consensus around this is the actual software we're running, then people can kind of signal whatever they want. And if they go back on it, there might not be anybody to enforce them going back on it. 
which is why UASF is still relevant well, until it actually. I mean, I, I think that that's true. If not a single miner is running the the BIP ninety one code, because then that miner will orphan blocks, and you'll start to get you know forking occurring because you'll have two different blockchains. If that's the case, yes. Right. Yes. I mean, so if that happens, then that'll happen. But, you know, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to presume that's going to happen because that would be very antithetical. Uh, yeah, maybe there is. I mean, I don't know. It's just to me, it seems like a, a lot of thought over, you know, nothing that is it's kind of a settled issue to me. You know, I mean, SegWit has happened on the main chain already. It's not a thing yet. But I mean, everybody's agreed to run it unless everybody drastically reverses their position. Which, I mean, there's no reason that they would. Yeah, I agree. After making all these public statements that they're going to run it. So I think probably we've got SegWit, but, you know, you never know. Yeah. Well, except for maybe okay. some of the, the Splinter group that on the same date, August 1st, decides to support BCC, which let's let's get back to cash. Yeah, I want to um, talk about what's... I almost feel like this is some crazy conspiracy that came out of nowhere. What What is really happening, Paul? Well, I, as I said, I don't, you don't really know. I think a lot of people... I think it's the equal and opposite reaction to the UASF and it's like well I mean it's this eight megabyte thing I think I'm not sure but I think they've also um tore out like they try to tear out like the, the all the old complaints about SegWit and uh, replaced by fee yeah. I've heard that I don't really I haven't really investigated at all but I think they've they want to take that stuff out which is you know kind of ridiculous but it is what it is. Like, right. This is what we get. I mean, I think we should talk. Let's not talk about what everyone else is talking about. And let's just try and like say a new thing. Well, I want to hear a new is, thing. We'll I want to hear about, like how how will we know if we're talking over the same thing? We still haven't heard what Mike's got to say about this, as far as what he thinks about the what he thinks is really going on. Mike. Well, all I want to emphasize is the fact that we have this terminal um, polarity, this polarization. That's just ripping people into pieces, and but I mean that's been going on for two years yeah, now. That, it's it's getting so much worse. With, but yeah. it's been going on for three years. But I didn't hear. Go ahead. Yeah, Paul. it's been going on for a long time, and I have this thing drive chain that will fix everything, and <laughs> people are not paying attention to it. Nobody's still. gonna listen to him. We're, I mean, we're lots of people Paul, 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 you have to remember. You have to remember. No one <laughs> listens to this people. podcast. Yeah, no one listens to this podcast. Paul, no one Paul. listens to this podcast. This you is don't not need a place to come to be heard. Yeah, unless I mean, unless you're you can talk about drive chain all day. You're you're in the wrong place to talk about it. We we have like two viewers, and it's because Mike and I watch our podcast. Do you really want to go down? Because you can do this. You can read all the mailing list stuff on Segwit2x, or you can read all the stuff about Bitcoin Cash, and you can go line by line, and you can say, oh, I don't really agree with that. I don't really agree with that. Or you can watch all this stuff happen on Twitter. People get angry at each other. And you can say, try to fix it, you know, go line by line and fix it. Um, but that's just a waste of time because this has been ongoing, and now there are, like, hurt feelings, and there's this giant explosion of misery. And you have to like have some, you have to like rip it out, you know, root and stem, you know, so to speak. So sure. you have to like. I, I would like to talk about the division, but the, the one thing I would like to point out with Bitcoin Cash, that if we can have a little minor discussion on it, just to make sure everybody who's watching, yeah. if anybody is, is they're they're going to one of the things they're going to do is they're going to change the difficulty to adjust. So it's not going to be like a standard fork. Oh, they yeah, are yeah. going to change the difficulty 
So if there's only 5% mining, it's still going to create create valid blocks. Hey, real quick. How are they doing that? Are they just it's adjusting every... No, no. Are they adjusting every like 10 blocks? Like How are see, they adjusting? I don't know. I haven't read Paul, enough to see. Paul, do you know how they're, they're changing? changing the, they're just changing the absolute level, which is exactly what they should do because, as Michael B. Casey says, it's free because they're already hard forking. So they Tell just change the number, different number, which is exactly what they should do because otherwise it would probably be unusable. Wait a minute. Hold on. They're, they're so just going to... They're just going to go ahead and change the difficulty without knowing how much support they're going to get. Well, they should probably. They have a way of estimating how much support they're going to so, get. Well, so, yeah. The question is, are they also going to change the retargeting period? Or yeah, that, is it I thought they're going to two weeks. Yeah, I thought know, they're going to change the retargeting period. Blocks. Oh well, they shouldn't do that, but they can if they want. Yeah, I don't know if they're I mean, going to do that or not. Weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what made smart. They'd keep it exactly the same. That's what made Ethereum classic survive. One thing, so it's very easy for investors to understand. Like what they're they did make one change because investors hate risk. What was that, Mike? So, so based on what I've read, based on what I've read, they did make one change, and it's a really kind of strange change. And I don't know if it's a temporary one for just the first retargeting period, or if it's a permanent one. Yeah, me neither. But there's something in the code that if blocks aren't found for a extended period of time, the difficulty will adjust down um, quicker. But it will not then adjust back up if blocks start getting found too quickly. And so, what that can result in is if nobody mines it for, let's say, like six hours or something like that the difficulty can adjust down a lot then everybody can go and mine it and mine it at like a two block or two minutes per block rate until it gets to the full block I mean, period um, interesting you know what should be two weeks might take three days or something and then it'll adjust back up again yeah I mean, and i don't know if then if they can continue to play that game and like basically cycle through really fast blocks or if it's only for the one yeah, that sounds like it yeah. could be gamed. Be That's <laughs> only make it for the one retargeting period because if anyone goes on the the hard fork wish list, I knew I knew there's something about the retargeting stuff. I know I didn't miss that very, completely. It's very very old, and there's an item there that says have the network adapt to a sudden collapse in hash rate or a large drop in hash rate or something, and then in the paragraph that precedes that, excuse me, that proceeds that follows that bullet point, it says that everyone who's tried to do that has introduced horrible like vulnerabilities as a result. Yeah, and that I could be very like easily gained problem. by a, so, a large majority of miners who coordinate. They, they could very easily gain it to get, you know, to actually speed up the blocks block time. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd essentially end up with like a five minute average block time or something weird. I don't know. It's weird. But yeah. Um, well, so, so that's well, it's interesting because that's what oh, this podcast is about, right? Yeah. Block time. Block time. <laughs> So our, our block times vary in in time too. It's Poison distribution. Yeah. Um. So so um. The one other thing about that. So they are. Uh, I would like to just see everybody's opinion because for now, initially, they're 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 going to stay on SHA two fifty six, which leaves them subject to attack from the other chain. Um. How do you guys think that's going to play out? Do we think uh it's it's going to get attacked and they're going to switch algos, or do you think it'll like just attack and you know they're not going to do anything and die? Or do you think uh, they'll they'll live and you know maybe it's it's in the other miners' uh, self interest not to attack it but rather try to mine the other chain? I don't know. What does everybody think? We'll start with Paul. Okay, I don't think um, that they will be attacked. I think they'll either be ignored or something more interesting will happen. And they'll do the attacking. Or the attack will be from there or something. But why would um wait a minority they don't, they don't minority have to attack the main Are you talking chain? about a minority Bitcoin Cash potential no, hashing? They might, 
No, because what they might they might end up having the majority, or they might do some creepy other thing. Wow, you think the they'll have the majority? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what kind of creepy <laughs> other thing could they do? Like do some weird stuff with denial of servicing nodes? Like what do you, what do you mean? Well, I don't want to go into a huge amount of detail, but like they could like split up their hash rate, and some of them could like attack the main chain some way, and then the rest of it could. So hide on Bitcoin Cash. I mean, this. I probably no anyone who did this would be violating the you know what they agreed to do. Yeah, the New, New York, York agreement. agreement. But yeah. you know, everyone's like very angry right now, and everyone's people are talking about breaking the hard fork half of the New York agreement. So everything's kind of fair game at this do, point. Do you Whoa. think that there is a chance that they could get BCC fork could get minor, majority hash rate? Do you think that's even possible at this point? Like, like well, in, sure, the immediate, because, in the like, immediate in the immediate future. Because well, I don't know, like, uh, in the long run, the hash rate will be whatever the users find most valuable. And I find it very unlikely that users would endorse something like this. But in the very short run, uh, I don't know, like, it's probably easy to direct that hash power. And then even to claim that you were hacked or something and do some weird other thing, like the pools were hacked or something like that. So it's certainly possible because people are angry and they feel like they have no other options other than to do take drastic measures so of course it's it's entirely possible i don't i don't really know you know bitcoin cash just kind of showed up out of nowhere so that's a huge what was the original question against it oh Getting it was just like support. do do we think that they're going to get attacked and have to change algorithms okay on shot mike what do you what do you think yeah i, I don't think anybody's going to attack it so what i what i think will happen is that the difficulty is going to adjust down using that thing that we just talked about. And then all of a sudden things like Antminer uh, Ant S3s and like old Butterfly Lab stuff and all kinds of old equipment is going to be able to then mine Bitcoin Cash at some fast rate for a very short amount of time. And so some people might put some hash rate on that because of that. And then along the same tokens, if it then becomes profitable, people might move a small portion of hash rate of the main Bitcoin network. But in the end, Every, the two sides using the same uh, algorithm is actually a good thing because it forces uh, miners to eventually create consensus around one of them, and they will create consensus, just like Paul said, around the thing that has all of the economic support. Because if nobody's using one side, then there's no reason to mine it because it's not worth anything. So um, you, you have know. to pay the same amount. It's so high difficulty. It costs them just as much to mine to be able to sell it. I have, a, I have a question that we probably have talked about at least six times on this podcast, and I keep forgetting the answer. What, did ETC change their algorithm when they when they no. did a fork? And how come? And what was the biggest reason? Is this kind of a, key, a landmark case where they weren't really attacked by ETH, or is it because ETH is all friendly, go lucky, you know, and they're like not really? I don't know. Like, what what's the deal there? Like, is is this pretty much saying like, hey, you know? Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core, they're not really going to attack each other on purpose or try to snipe each other's blockchains. And uh, I mean, I mean, no, but that's not the is point. there any kind you of comparison you can make? Said, but they, they inherently, they all compete. First of all, all currencies compete. But moreover, the, all the blockchains compete over uh, users and then indirectly through competing as currencies. But if they have the exact same a hashing algorithm, then you can only point your hash rate at one or the other, so they have to compete. I, no, I was saying, I love how Paul said, did you listen to anything Mike said? <laughs> I love how he started that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and the answer to that is, I, I listened to some of what he said. 
And I, I didn't listen to anything you said because it was so funny the first thing you said. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, yeah, they're all going to be friendly with each other. Like, I, this is, I, I mean, I, you may be right because they are – because this one thing is the replay protection. So everyone's, everyone's like insisting yep. on replay protection and then everyone's so proud of the fact that they added replay protection everywhere, which is like – uh, really well, they, weird. They I want to coexist. All, everyone's trying to play nice. I want to talk about. They should instead just try to kill each other. Hey, one second. I want to talk about the thing that we've talked about at least six times on this podcast. Deja vu? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, Adam Meister talks uh, talks about the friendly fork. That one day I was like, dude, that so, sounds so dumb. Whatever. You're, this guy isn't. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Is this? You? I think you said it earlier. Was this an example? You said this off it's, off the record, but is this an example of a friendly fork that well, Adam as, Meister was as talking he about? Defined it as he defined it. Yeah, it's 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 a fork of the UTXO. I mean, and, and it's, then you can pretty much just sell off the altcoin if you want. Yeah, I mean, hey, do you, do y'all consider the asset. Bitcoin Cash a definite altcoin? Because that's pretty much how we pitched it at the meetup uh, on Wednesday. Would y'all consider it just an altcoin, or I'd would say, you consider it? I'd say it's an altcoin until it's not. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. that's that's actually a probably a fair assessment. Yeah. We actually had a special word for it that was called a spin-off that people yeah. used at one point. <laughs> that's what we called it. That too. was like an altcoin that preserves the that preserves the UTXO set. So interesting. Yeah, so if the thing is my criterion for it to be a hard fork is that it has to actually upgrade and replace the old chain. So if uh you know, if Bitcoin Cash is created and then Bitcoin Core dies for some unknown reason then I would say that Bitcoin Cash was a hard fork upgrade to Bitcoin Core, although I, I can't really see that happening, but you never know. So how do we think that the Bitcoin Cash hard fork is going to affect the chances of getting an actual 2x passed on BTC as part of the New York agreement? Do we think it's going to increase the chance or decrease the chance or have no effect? What do you guys think? I think increase basically because it's because uh, you've got this crazier option. It kind of makes two X looks a little, a little bit tamer, but probably most basically have probably a little, very little effect. I mean, I, I would say decrease personally because I, I think it, what it'll do is further polarize the sides, and they'll say, oh well, you know, this this is the small blockchain, and this is the big blockchain, and you know, this should say small forever, and this one shouldn't. I mean, I, I think it'll probably have that effect, but we'll see. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I think what gets lost in the whole discussion is that a lot of people in core and people that have promoted SegWit have kind of said all along that, yes, blocks probably need to be increased, but we need to do these other fixes first and see what this does as far as how it changes demand. And then from there, talk about a hard fork. And the funny thing to me is that if SegWit had passed a year ago, back in November, for the last nine, 10 months, we could have been actually seeing all of that. And we could actually be seeing, okay, here's the real demand on top of what is already SegWit. And from there, we might have a two megabyte or four megabyte or whatever increase sometime later this year. But people blocked SegWit because it, it kind of got branded wrong. Everybody kind of branded it as like this alternate way to do scaling. When that wasn't what it was in the first place, it just happened to have like a slight scaling side effect. Exactly. It was a transaction malleability fix. It wasn't, it wasn't a scaling solution. And that's was the yeah. original what Core said originally is this is not a scaling solution. Then it became one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with uh, Monero Mike that it's really sad that we didn't uh, we weren't able to close on that um, deal in the past. But I'm not sure exactly how we attribute 
the blame for that because it's clear that the miners are very upset and they had been upset for a very long time and they were not satisfied with um, what happened at Scaling Milan, Scaling 3, and that prompted some of them to like start this idea. And so I'm not sure, I mean, sort of the buck should stop with them, maybe, but I'm not, I don't really know how to totally make sense of the whole thing in context because people have been telling them they could get what, what they say they want, which is this hard fork block size. They've been telling them that they could get that for a while. And that has also been like constantly pushed back. Like this will take at least 12 months. So I'm not sure. I think like just both people didn't get what they want and it would be better if we had more communication and trust, but I don't see any way of making that uh, happen at all so that's too bad so let's explore now like because we talked a little bit about the bitcoin cash so so you were talking about before paul about uh how divisive things have gotten here of late which is the, the mental issue. health the mental the health mental of the health ecosystem of the yeah yeah you you I, I love how i love how you say mental health i don't think that's the first time you said it. so what's what's the latest oh there's no i mean it's just it's just continued its ongoing trend of just total and utter collapse. I mean, people uh, just moments ago, uh, Charlie Sherman and Roger Revere were having like a little thing. And uh, I don't want to really want to go into it, but if you just search on Twitter, you can find. But it's just one example of, you know, uh, this is, this debate is the stakes are high and people have formed themselves into little groups. And there's a lot of information to process like every day and every week. And so it just necessarily gets filtered by all these different groups. And, you know, again, I, I don't really know exactly where to put the blame or like what one thing you could do to fix it. Um, people will say this needs to be it's sort of like a he said, she said situation by definition because this is polarity. But yeah, I mean, I think it's terrible that people just get more and more. I mean, this has been going on for years and. People have strong feelings about it, and they get more and more miserable. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame. It reminds me of like uh, Lord of the Rings. Remember when they're all fighting over, and they're like the dwarves and the elves, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm not giving the ring to you." And Gandalf and Elrond are trying to like get everyone to like stop being such, you know, crybabies about it. But they uh, Roger Veer used the J really word. Just... Sorry. Roger Veer used the J word. No, we, we, we can cuss on here. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Dude, he, he called Charlie Sherman yeah. jerk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for paying his lawyers and not paying him back. Such language. Anyways, um, that looks like a, a, a discussion about probably paying back a loan. So, anyways. Well, yeah. So I was I, curious. I didn't before, know what they were talking but about. I don't know if I said this on the show, but like, uh, it's, it's interesting to watch sectarianism unfold in real time. What is that? Sectarianism, you know, like basically. No, no, I don't. What is that? Okay, <laughs> sectarianism is when two religious sects form that are of the same religion, but they hate each other. So it's like think the Sunnis and the Shiites. Well, I was going to say like <laughs> types of like Christianity too. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, those are you know any any different, but they follow the same religion. Yes. But you know, one said this guy says he's right, and then the other said this guy says he's right, and then they just kill each other. You know? Well, I guess I guess that's kind of like Christianity yeah. and Islam yeah. ultimately too, right? Well, yeah, that's, that's like that's like a really early yes, hard yeah. fork. It's, it's a large. That was an early hard fork, and then you get smaller and hard then, forks. You know, later. eventually we'll they're have like crusades, soft forks. You but, know, like, 
Yeah. Well, Islam is the most recent, I think. Well, actually, it depends on if you count like Greek Orthodox and like Mormonism and some of these other ones. Yeah. But yeah, Islam is. You also have to remember that Christianity was a it was a soft fork of Judaism. So that's true. (laughs) See, I wasn't sure if that was a hard fork. No, no, no. It was a hard fork. fork. It was a hard fork because you have a legacy chain. Right. They added some new rules, but there's a legacy chain that doesn't have to follow it. So it's more like it's more like the soft forks are like. It's like uh, what's 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 some like there's like what fifty branches of Christianity that like you know I don't know I never took Pescatarian or Catholic or you know whatever. That's what? But the point is, there are these things, and like know, you know, like in uh, what, about, what happened in Ireland, where it was Protestant and Catholic, and they yeah. were like blowing each other up. So it's it's comparable to the Sunni Shia. Right, and, but what I'm um, saying is usually those things was, take hundreds of years wrote, to unfold, and yeah, this that, took like two years. That was a contentious. Like, that's a contentious. <laughs> uh, Fifty-one. They're constantly trying to fifty-one percent attack each other. But you can look at this, this stuff that happens in, within all the libertarian communities as well. And there's this Sigmund Freud wrote about this concept of the tyranny of or something. I think it was the tyranny, or it was something. I think it's the tyranny of small differences. So it's like people who are very very similar, and they have like one tiny difference. And they, it's very overwhelming. People, they're very upset with each other over that. Yeah, the more you are like them, the, the differences between you are magnified. Paul, yeah. do you think this ultimately all comes down to money? No, I, I think what it is is the consensus. I mean, money is some people feel very passionately about their money, and their money is money is freedom because the founding fathers, correctly, Thomas Jefferson in specific, they recognized the right to life, liberty, and property. But as Thomas Jefferson and Frederick Bastier and other people realized, there is no, you can't really have, if you have, if you're like enslaved, you don't really have your life. So it's like, it's not, they kind of, all three of those go hand in hand. And, and the, the pursuit of happiness part in the, in the United States is a rearrangement of, it used to be property. And so the idea of, Property is, is kind of a battery that lets you store up your labor. And and so you, you're not really free if someone can enslave you and force you to work on their stuff. And you're not really free if you invest a bunch of your time in something and then someone else just comes in and takes it. So the idea that property and freedom are are similar. And so, of course, people have their – they own their Bitcoin and then they feel like that's their, their resource and then if someone wants to change it. But I don't think that's the root cause of the – Thing. The root cause is um, the fact that we have this consensus software, and everyone has to run the same software. And so, it's this thing where if someone changes the Bitcoin software that everyone uses, then that change affects everyone else. So everyone's really in the same boat, so to speak, as far as consensus is concerned. And that is the original position of the philosophy of socialism, which is that everyone is in the same. We're all in this together, and we have to figure out something that works for everyone. And that's very incompatible with like everything else about Bitcoin, and which is why I try to make it more like capitalism with the drive chain, with side chains, to just let people do whatever they want and have their own boat. And then I'm glad we brought that full circle. Together, but they can be in a different yeah. boat if they want. From from, <laughs> from the founding fathers back to drive chains. I so like that it. Actually, yeah. That actually does make a lot of sense because, you know, trying to get everybody to agree on a 100% hard and fast rule forever is is damn near impossible. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you have to have I mean, and you know, I suppose that's why we have a plethora of alts right now. 
But I mean, would this factor into anything that we heard about, like Jason Dreisner talking about, like iterative consensus? Yeah, or? I mean, I, I, it's the same same thing. It's like it's modularization of consensus. So it's not, you know, it's not everything for everybody all the time. The exact same thing. And then I guess uh, drive chains would be like an even further enhancement of that because then you get like yeah. your own blank sheet for every chain that you want to work on. I guess. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I, Paul. I, I, when 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 are, are you? By next week, are you going to have drive chains uh, implemented? We'll ha- we'll uh, we'll interview interview you on it if you want. We're working on a lot of stuff, so I want to make sure everything's written down so that everyone can clearly understand what it is. I'm trying to write it down in a way that is the most clear. And we're working on various. We have all these things to like put into one. There's like drive chain stuff, and then there's stuff that kind of supports it, and then there's this blind merge mining, which is a separate, a whole separate thing. And so we've got to kind of put all that together. Um, and the peer review pl- process is very, very slow, I think. And people are often distracted by all this dramatic stuff. So, but yeah, it's like, it's really kind of coming along. It's like mostly finished already. Uh, and so it'll probably take a long time to be, to go from mostly finished to like a hundred percent finished. I honestly think we should but, do, uh, yeah. when, when you're ready, we should do just a, a whole show, just do a deep dive on drive chains. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hey, what uh, what what does Block have an official like? Hey, we completely don't support Bitcoin Cash, or yeah, we're open to the chain with most hash rate. What? Because oh, I, I know, know BitPay. You shouldn't ask because I don't have any idea. Right, so but I think <laughs> I would say, I think what I would probably say is that these the Segway Two X. Yeah, I think they're pretty squarely behind the BTC on that, One so at this you point. You can't do anything that's not that. Yeah, I, I think someone just became a non UASF fan. Mike, who's that? Mike. Well, you know what it really was. Oh no! This week. Oh no! I, I think happened? I think we, I think Paul talked him off the ledge against the honey badgers. <laughs> no, we, we got... you, have to, you have to show me what he did. He took off his hat and put on a new hat. You know, That's I, all I know. Like, <laughs> so tell me what he did. I can't see him. I'm dude, sitting, Paul, just I'm look to your right Paul. Paul. Just look, look, dude. He's sitting right next to you, Paul. It's not that hard. Just, just look at me. There you go, there Paul. There you go. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, I can't see. <laughs> no, it, you know what it is. is that we, we've got this. We've got this big game against the honey badgers, and I realized I can't keep supporting them as, as <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> hey, Mike, Mike, later in this, later on, in a little bit, I want to jump into like what you think and your background a little bit more because I am interested to know more about you. But uh, maybe we can save that to then. Yeah, well, you know, but... I, I'd like a recap of what's been going on with Monero eventually yeah, too, because I haven't, yeah. I haven't been paying much attention lately. So. But what, what are we talking about next? I, I, I have to go. I have to go pretty soon. So cool. Okay, let's let's briefly. let's uh, let's. So run the one through... thing I did want to add to this kind of discussion oh, sure. is, is that I think what's interesting about this whole thing that has unfolded over the last couple of years is it starts to show the resiliency of Bitcoin to be able to hold up uh, and, and need to come to a massive amount of agreement on something. And if something like this took two years, then that sort of gives some uh, credence and and some hope that nobody's going to be able to come in and just like usurp the system very quickly. Uh, The the unfortunate thing is that I think people, there, there are kind of two sides to this debate. And one side, the miners tended to agree with but at the end of the day, it's not the miners that should be making that decision. It should be the community and the users. The, the miners are the only ones getting paid to do what they're doing. And they're getting paid to maintain the consensus everyone agrees on. And unfortunately, there were people on the other side that were a little too forceful about that. Uh, and, and just kind of saying, like, y'all have no voice, y'all have no voice. But 
but the fact is like there needs to be a way for people to come together and, and talk about these issues and come to a consensus. And, and I think the last two years has shown that there is a way to do it. It just takes a really long time, which isn't necessarily terrible. Um, you know, that, that just kind of random thoughts there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't yeah, go. I agree, with a lot of that. I agree with a lot of that, but I mean, I, I wouldn't see it's, it's really hard to say because we have no accurate way to measure right now what the users actually want. All we have are Twitter polls. Right. Um, so there's no yes. way to really yeah, how do you, tell. You, you had an idea want. there for a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, did I and post... I still do, but, oh. <laughs> but, but I haven't ago, implemented I've... Oh, what was yours, Paul? Sorry? Uh, well, I, I actually, I actually had I proposed a long time ago at Scaling Montreal. I proposed this Fork Futures thing mm -hmm. that you like before your the fork market? happens, you could buy and sell these claims. Isn't that what via BTC be, or what what exchange is doing that with Bitcoin Cash right well, now? Well, kind of. Yes, people are doing that now, but they're not. They're not doing. It. So first of all, they're doing it in a weird way that has like some counterparty risk, which I'm. I think it's fine. I just think that people should do it. Um, but I think in the past, people have had a lot of trouble just wording the claims the right way, and they should not be, you know, it should be pretty easy to word the claims the right way. Just make them very, very similar so that their only difference is, you know, a hard fork, yes or no, and then you buy the price. So I think that is a really good way. Uh, whenever those things have been done, they've typically in indicated that people prefer the Bitcoin that they already have and not some new thing. Uh, but there is vote. There's also vote.bitcoin.com. Which is the Bitcoinocracy thing, um, yeah. which is kind of a plutarchic thing where you get to just lock your coins up and have them give a vote. But the, unlike the futures, you you don't bear a cost if your vote is uninformed or wrong. So the futures are a lot better. But yeah, what, what really strikes me is how little people are interested in the the yeah. futures idea. Like so, I think people just don't they don't really want to know what the users believe. Uh, they just want to kind of pretend that they know and that they're outside of the users. And they don't. They don't really want to open Pandora's box. I think, which I think is kind of frustrating. I had a similar well, idea, or at least a, a complementary idea um, uh, that would be used along uh, the, alongside those other tools. Uh, I, I wanted to enable transactional voting to where you, with your wallet, every time you do a Bitcoin transaction, could in fact uh, cast a ballot over a certain thing and and uh, you know voice your opinion with the amount that you're transacting, so that the miners could actually say, hey, these people who are paying my fees based on how much fees they're paying, uh, this is this is what they, they think we should do. So then it would be just like kind of a way to signal the miners. So that was the thoughts with what I was trying to do. I still I still am trying to do that, but I've got a lot of other stuff going on. So. I, I wanna I wanna speed See, through that would have a Oh, I, oh. I want to talk about okay. some other topics before you have to go, Paul. Uh, okay. uh Great, first off real quickly, talk about that one article that you're that you tweeted about where you got a little you got a little. I don't know. I've never seen you say hateful stuff on Twitter till I saw you talk about that article. <laughs> terrible. You called this guy terrible. His article was worse, and yours was better. You kind of sound like a spoiled brat. I mean, what was that all about? Oh my god! Check out Balaji's decentralization. <laughs> yeah. Article. Oh, Balaji. Very, very quickly, talk about it, and it we'll move on. Was very bad. I mean, it yeah. wasn't good. Okay. <laughs> it was not. It was just that bad. It was terrible. Okay. I mean, I don't know what he, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> and, it's like uh, six a subset of six things. All of which are like not even measurable or even know it. As I say, they have severe epistemological problems. And epistemology is the science of what is knowable, really. All right. And so not only not only can we not measure his things, but they're like outside the realm of even what could be measured. They're like weirdo things like which developer contributed more measured by commits or something, which is like yeah, not you can't. That's, that's not. And then like. 
that means account balances. <laughs> who own, but everyone, as everyone knows, you have more than one Bitcoin account. You know, you have more than one UTXO. Interpreting that as an account, there's no way of knowing. Like his metric would say that Bitcoin has become more decentralized if I split Bitcoin up into more accounts, which is nonsense. I mean, so like the whole thing is just these six. And then at the end, he just punts the whole thing away and he just says. So the whole article is about like it would be nice if we could quantify decentralization, which I completely agree. I have a breaking but announcement. Then he just basically gives up oh, on that bad. immediately. So and then he his like six weirdo thing. I mean, it, it wasn't very good at all. And someone else published a thing going into a lot of detail. Uh, I don't want I I keep tied between three names and I can't remember whose name it is. But it's one of it's a really great dev, longstanding core dev. Uh, I could look it up. I don't want to say the wrong. Tied between like three names. I can't remember whose name it is. Well, what did he uh, say? Oh my god. But he already wrote a little thing. Well, yeah, who, who's not as important as the what? 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 What were they saying? And then just name all three people. It could be either one of these three, That's, and then the listeners will have to go and verify. It, it's it's, it's like a ring signature. You can just ring them all. Together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I have. I, uh, while while Paul's looking that up, I have breaking news: Wayne Vaughn of Tyrion just raised his twenty-five million to, uh, for his token sale. Wow, good for Wayne! Wow, that's some, that's really something. <laughs> I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. Of, uh, I mean, I don't know why people are buying what they can get for free, but good for them and good for Wayne. Any, oh, any, Mike, Mike, do you have any opinion Wayne. on the? I was like, it's one of the many bearded Wayne, right, Wayne people with brown, long brown hair. There's a lot of them. All right. Yes. Well, enough about this terrible article. Real quick, what do y'all think about Read that token article. sale? Are you a fan? Regardless, I know we're all friends with Wayne, but still, like, what? What do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really, t- I haven't seen much. I don't know what he's selling with that ICO. Paul, I'm not sure. No hard feelings. What do you think about Wayne's ICO and TNT? I think Wayne's great. I think he's, his company is very interesting. I just I don't know why. I don't know what you would buy. I don't know what you buy if you buy these ICOs. What did you get? I don't know. You, and I think bad timing because you have the SEC rule. <laughs> sounds like it's sounds like security to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I you know. Good luck well, to Wayne. Well, his, Wayne his, is uh, in a horrible feud with a powerful adversary, Peter Todd. Oh yeah! Uh, I don't oh, really? about I heard oh no! Yeah, Peter Todd Peter has been Todd is, uh, been ripping on Wayne on Twitter. Really? Oh yeah! Huh, and, and I think uh, I don't think Reddit. It makes Peter Todd. I think it makes Peter Todd kind of look not great. I think you know, but Peter Todd can conduct his own affairs, of course. But I just think like he's really like picking on Wayne. I don't know if you know he can do that if he wants. Well, I just I don't know if I don't know. Wayne's always struck me as one of the least controversial figures out there. You know. I mean, he's really, you know, he's never really said anything really inflammatory. Wayne's any, actually, you know? Wayne's actually, he plays it safe, I think, yeah, a lot. He and does. he's actually very uh, well, strategic on, on what he says. What is Peter Todd, what's his issue? What is he taking issue with Wayne? Like, why, why did he go after him? Part of the problem is that Peter Todd seems to have put a lot of effort into, like, he says, this is wrong with, it's 100% centralized and security and then there's blah, 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 comparing it to open timestamps. And then, oh you know, yeah, it's yeah, like following yeah. up Peter's with the Microsoft. Own. Okay, thing. I gotcha. So, but I think I think he's almost elevating it by when Peter criticizes something, it really gets elevated to a level of relevance that it would not have otherwise. <laughs> I think he may have been helping them out, like 
intentionally or not. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. That's just my guess. I don't really know. Hey, uh, Mike, have you looked into the TNT token sale with Tyrion? I mean, I, I looked at it, but I didn't really understand what the token was for. It's. Co- I, I mean, the whole ICO nonsense to me just isn't interesting. <laughs> so I mean, I, it's just really not. I actually made a tweet about uh, this ICO. This is the first ICO I've ever made a tweet about, and uh. It was something like this is going to be the first. Um, yeah, the this first is going to be the first that ICO that has a utility and company behind it before, because usually these ICOs are like just an idea. Hey, I have a white paper. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. So, so I was thinking this might know, actually I don't know not. That that's true, though. I mean, oh, okay. Well, uh, I I wasn't sure that this is the only one I know about, so I I could be definitely wrong. Well, my first question would be, can you use the token right now? Because if you can't, then it doesn't have a utility yet, and I don't know the answer. Oh, to that. No, but then my second no, question, no, it, I would say, I would say right now to answer your question, you, the the token isn't even issued, or like it's just an idea. Like the token, probably there's probably an ERC twenty token somewhere, but I'm guessing you cannot use it yet. But he has what I'm saying is like yeah, a, so, he has an API, and like he has like the still he has like the anchoring so, system that I've actually used before. Uh, okay, so then if that's the threshold, then as long as we're trying to pick what has a use case and what doesn't, the Brave browser already exists, so their token already has a use case. That's true. At least in theory. Um, there's that status app thing. Oh, the basic really attention it token. Does, it, it already exists. The basic attention token, right? Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're and, right. And, and, I'll, and I'll be honest that I don't know a lot about any of this stuff because I, I just don't think any of them are very interesting. Um, and I'm leaving a lot of money on the table by by bothering to read about them. But uh, that's just I don't have time to read about any of them, so I don't read about any of them. Do, do you think? Um, I kind of want to save this one where, where we kind of deep dive into you. So I want to wait before we start asking you your thoughts on some of this stuff. But let, let's keep let's keep going for uh for Paulie has to yeah, go. Yeah, I gotta go soon. Uh, let's see. What's what's one more thing? We talked about the SEC. What, you, what about BTCE? That was on your nose. Oh ball. yeah, BTCE. you want to talk about that and like the Gox <laughs> stuff and like what Mark Carpels was saying and all Mark, that. Carpels, because I don't want to say stuff that we don't. I mean, Mark, things, Mark really tweeted about things. it. Like, we shouldn't just say. Anything. Yeah, but Mark, Mark tweeted about. I know, but this is all hearsay. I mean, we don't, we don't really know anything about any of this. But yeah, so, so alleged supposedly, like BTCE has been behind. Lots and lots of money laundering, like, Four like billion. possibly like all, like not all, <laughs> but the vast majority of all Bitcoin money laundering, it's possible that was laundered through there, including Mt. Gox funds and lots of ransomware and lots of other stuff. So I'm not sure what, what we, it would be an exciting thing for everyone to So, um, so the BTCE thing, um, so the site's still down, is it, is the site still down BTCE? I oh, mean, they I said they know. would be down for five to 10 days for maintenance. Um, there's only one way to know. I don't, we no. don't go to BTC.com. We actually just Google it. So, um, I mean, it says the site can't be reached. Oh man. So they don't even have the maintenance message back up yet. Huh? So there, there wasn't a takedown notice. So it's not like the domain was seized. Um, what's what's their Twitter say? (laughs) 
Oh, it's in Russian. Translate. Oh. <laughs> Translate. At the moment, we are working on restoration of service approximate terms of from five to ten days. Right. So, but that yeah, was two days thing. ago or three days ago. Oh, so, yeah. so they have between two and right, seven but they more days. They don't even have the seven, maintenance message back uh, up. So, um, so, so we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it, it could open back up when like a withdrawal only mode or it could open back up as an actual exchange. Although I don't see how that would end or as a honeypot <laughs> or, well, it could open up as yeah, a honeypot. I mean, I don't know. The, the, obviously none of us know. So it'd be rampant speculation to say if the government, you know, had anything to do with it or if they're just like right now trying to scrub all the passwords, anybody who may have been picked up had, um and but i don't really see it ever coming back as a legit site again okay so i want to go over something else there's this guy named brady coey or co uh coy i don't know i don't know if i'm saying his name right he left us a youtube comment saying he will oh, yeah. donate to our podcast for every scammer we out i want everyone to out at least one scammer <laughs> we're going to start with uh monero mike who is your scammer you want to out Who's my scammer that I want to out? Um, us, the four Ooh. of us. That's there you go. That's that that's four donations for. right there, Brady. Four donations. Paul, who do you got? Oh my! I mean, Ricardo is a safe answer. <laughs> uh, he admits that he's a scammer. I mean, I think this guy. Should we really give him? Like, I mean, there are lots. Of, I mean, I wrote on Bitcoin. I want to. No, I want to see if he donates. I, I want to see if we actually get a donation because of this. I, I just want to see. My my easy my easy scammer is uh, Ruja. Ruja. That that's like the safe uh, answer. You're not really outing her though. She's well, oh, see, that's the thing. He's outing. Like, you have to She's out. Monero. Monero. Yeah, Ricardo is a known scammer. scammer We're not yeah. really outing him. Right. That's, that, why that's I what said he said. Paul. I wrote all about Augur. <laughs> Damn it, Paul! You're making. Out of, out of I'm Multiple trying to. There's many names now. <laughs> well. I have a feeling we didn't do a good job outing anybody just now. So thanks a lot. What about Zao Tong? It's like <laughs> we have to explain ourselves, though. See, that's the thing. It's not a good one to do like quickly. Hey, oh, oh, oh. You shouldn't, oh like, who's the Neo B guy? Who the Neo B guy? I don't know what that is. Oh no, no, Danny Brewster. Oh, a long time ago, Danny Brewster. <laughs> Michael Tidwell. What is your Bitcoin history? Uh, was that back before 2013? Neo and B was, was like the, that was like when Cyprus was That's, like exploding yeah. or something. Early 2013. I, I was just yeah. learning about like really what Bitcoin was in 2013, like really digging into the into it. So I was probably too busy yeah. uh, reading the white paper over the course of two well, years. That's- so that's when you were like thirteen or twelve or thirteen or eleven years old. <laughs> it was when I was fifteen, man. Come on. Did, is he still okay. at large, Danny Brewster, or did he like come to justice? I thought I saw him tweeting the other day. Did I hallucinate that? It would not surprise me, that <laughs> guy. Yeah, if he's still at large, you know, living off the pile of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that was bad. Oops. Well, that's that's an expensive lesson for people. Mm-hmm. So, okay, guys, I have to go. I'm so sorry. I wish I could stay. Hey, Try Paul. Hours. Paul, thanks a lot. Paul, thanks for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, make sure to take nice your shirt with you. Uh, I know you have, a, you have a flight to catch, right? Yeah, so we got, we got to go. We got to train for our championship. We'll be. We don't know what sport we're playing yet. But we'll be doing drills of all kind. Yeah. So uh, mental and physical. Great. Any any predictions on uh on how bad you're going to beat the Monero Mooners next week? 
it all comes down to sportsmanship. Watchman Arrow triple. Sportsmanship. Yeah. yeah. Watchman Arrow <laughs> <goes>. <laughs> My question is, ha- halfway through the game, is his team going to fork into two teams? And then oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you'll be in trouble if we do. We well, three, well we you could just divide and conquer. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, how 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 was that going to I guess I guess you have to I guess for the finals. I mean, we're giving out tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, tune in next week to find out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you don't know. We've achieved wave particle duality. Yeah, we basically. Split and then recombine it to teams <laughs> as we desire. And then okay. we might if there's two slits, we might pass through both and if there's one slit, we might pass through one. We're everywhere and nowhere. Okay? That's the magic of the magic of the honey badgers. Well, thanks so again, So stay tuned Paul. for that. See you guys later. Have fun. There you go. Right. Let's just do that instead. All right. So it's just the mics now. We got oh rid of the Paul. Oh, my God. There's so many mics it's here. It's just Mike, Mike, and Mike. So This Mike, is originally what Block Time was supposed to be. Mike, Mike, it was supposed Mike. to be Mike, Mike, Mike interviewing people. I suppose. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, Mike Monero, Monero, Mike, uh, Monero Monitor, you, it's, dude. It's, it's Monero Mike. Yeah. Mike Monero. I think either way. Do you go by Mike Monero or Monero Mike? What do you go? What is your? Does, do you have a girlfriend or wife? Does she call you Monero Mike or Mike Monero? I'm pretty sure she does. <laughs> yeah, she calls me both. <laughs> Monero Mike Monero, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So yeah, um, so I actually have not been keeping up on Monero. Uh, what's going on lately? I, I know, I know. Back at the beginning of the year, they uh, they added a kind of robust new feature set. They added a uh, uh, Ring CT. Which was right, yeah, really and then cool. and then we we added some merchandise, and I think that that was like the last thing that you did. I saw you had you got the sweatshirt, the official yeah, the Monero merch. sweatshirt, yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah, I got and, that. and that's right. basically just driven the price up five x since since then. So yeah. so, <laughs> so what's up with the Monero apparel person? Have you heard their ad through Bitcoin Uncensored? I, I have no idea who they are. I talked with Chris DeRose about that at one point because uh, I know he used to advertise. They used to advertise on his show, um, but I don't know. That that was the funniest no ad. Do you remember? It was like, I love and I hate John Seth t-shirts. You remember that? Yeah. I always just assumed it was either Chris or John Seth, uh, but I, I never had any idea. So I did actually read uh, an article today about Monero, and it was uh, about the impact of Alpha Bay and BitMixer going down. Uh, so, and in, in in people, a large swath of people are just saying they're basically going to give up on the current, you know, as it currently stands, Bitcoin's attempts at, at fungibility because a it is kind of expensive to mix coins around. Uh, you end up with a lot of UTXOs and expensive transactions because of the mixing services. And B, you know, because, oh, my God, you know, they, they could have just compromised everything when they took down Alphabet, like completely. And, you know, if they get they get a hold of all those transactions and they see where everybody's been, you know, they, they could trace everything. Um, so so the, the whole point of the article was this this may be a boon for Monero on the dark markets and everything else as far as privacy. Yeah, it might be. I mean. If, if if you need privacy and fungibility with a coin right now, today, Monero is the best way to do that. So, do I you, mean, there's... Do you feel comfortable that the no, main use case for your currency is money laundering and drugs? Like, and it does it so much better than Bitcoin? What's the main use case for cash? Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, what's what's the main use case for privacy? <laughs> is it drugs? Because I would say no. I don't know. What 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 do you think? I mean, I don't think that that's the main use case for Monero. What it may are, be the best use case today based on the, the things that people have poured money into. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you need privacy and if you value privacy, then a project like Monero is a good project. And, and the, the other thing is that like Monero is potentially the best thing today, but that doesn't mean that five years from now, something else won't be better. I mean, it doesn't mean that Mimblewimble won't come along and provide even better privacy or whatever else. That's true. Well, and yeah, my sh my show is called Monero Monitor, and that's because I really like Monero. More importantly, I really like the community, and I really like the developers, and I like their attitude. That like, they're they're it, it's not about getting rich; it's about enhancing people's lives and preventing people from just being totally compromised in the 21st century. With uh, where you know data and data about yourself and data about what you buy is uh, really a big money business. Yeah, well, that, that is very true. I mean, as as a lot of people have said, if you know, if you don't pay for the product, then you are the product. And anybody who has a Facebook account, anything you do on there is basically a commodity that's sold to the highest bidder, right? So, I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? My biggest problems well, with Monero right well, now I mean, is it is it it you know it is it, added all these great security features, but it makes it really hard to use and in i don't know how they're going to expect to scale and still maintain this feature set uh so, so that's okay the, well well let's go over all of your options right now for if you're trying to get privacy in your transactions your first option is to use a bitcoin mixer which obviously has all kinds of issues like you just alluded to mm -hmm. but in addition to that 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 also takes time and it's expensive and you actually lose some anonymity because if you're actively mixing your coins and there's all kinds of timing attacks that can go on with people can check like, oh, we know that you were mixing your coins in this time. So that means that this is some time to look at with it. Plus, basically what we've seen with the Alphabet takedown is that like these coin mixers don't really work. Okay, so then your second option is to use another coin with a coin mixer. And that's just as laughable. Your next option would be to just switch between a lot of different currencies using something like Shapeshift. But Shapeshift posts all of their transaction information. Or if you used a, 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 an exchange like Poloniex or something like that, there's no reason they couldn't get subpoenaed. And so all of your data still is linkable. And so then you get to really only two coins that today allow you to have any type of privacy. And, and one is going to be Monero and the other one's going to be Zcash. And my argument for why Monero would be the one that you would choose actually is going to be a little different than a lot of people that listen to my podcast. My argument is pretty simple that Monero, you can, the, the technology itself is something that has been around a while. It's been, the, the cryptography has been tested. And more importantly, it's something that um, is low enough in its, uh, you know, like, computational demands and memory demands that you could implement it on a smartphone or whatever else. Um, the way you can have it on a smartphone is if you just use like the, you know, open clear coin on a smartphone. And so Zcash probably actually could provide a little bit better privacy if the, if the uh, cryptography actually is good, which there's still some academic research that needs to go into that. Um, but I mean, today well, the only way to use Mike, it would say, be from a you desktop. You say that, but is there currently a Monero, uh, smartphone wallet currently is does one exist that's a good question uh uh there are there are ones being developed 
And right. I, I mean, it's, know, it's harder a, than people. There's a think web it one is. now that I guess you could use from a smartphone. Um, but but my point more is that Monero can be implemented on a smartphone. Yeah, I'm not saying it can't, but it's it's very difficult to, it, to because of the stealth addresses mainly, uh, and, and you have to scan the entire blockchain. Is is the the what I understand is the the biggest right. limitation. But yeah. But right, yeah. exactly. With the with the stealth addresses, you have to check every single output on the blockchain to see if it's yours. So you can't query a, a, you know, like an API or something and have it tell you. And you can't just use like Merkle roots to have it tell you. You have to actually check everything. Yeah. Uh, and so then there's things like what Ricardo runs, which um, allow a, a you know a server that you trust or maybe a server that you run yourself to do some of that checking for you. Um, and so it can figure out inputs into your wallet, but it can't figure out the outputs. Um, and I mean, that's good if somebody wants to get their feet wet, but that's probably not the ideal way to do it. Yeah. So, so there's limitations, but like you said, like with the other side with Zcash, uh, you couldn't send a Zcash transactions do memory intensive. You couldn't do it from a smartphone, at least the ones that we have today. And probably right, maybe in a couple of years they can. Well, yeah. And probably if it gets that advanced, I mean, is it, you know what I mean? If, if, if memory hardening is not a thing anymore, is it, you know, could you potentially brute? I don't hey, know. I don't think you could. ZK Snarks. One sec. What? All right. So <clears throat> question to, to Mike. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, the fact that, so first Mike off, Casey, first off, yes. uh, it, it, just, just not to mislead too bad. You can't do Zcash uh, transactions on a smartphone like Jack's wallet. You just can't do the ZK Snarks kind of privacy transaction. Uh, right, which so you is can do optional... like the equivalent of a Bitcoin transaction. Right, from a, but that's from totally a... wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Everybody, mics, calm down. Let's all calm down. All right, so question to Mike. Um, and that, that means both of y'all. Uh, you can answer at your leisure. Um, after, I answer, after I ask the question, what do you think that, do you think that that isn't really a security aspect, the fact that there's only optional security transactions versus Monero Every single transaction is pretty much a security transaction. Can you, what's your thoughts on that? I think that's one of the definite advantages of Monero is that each transaction is covered to a degree. I mean, if you don't have, uh, I don't know if they changed the names of Mixin. I thought they were debating calling it something else. But the Mixins are, are for the ring signatures, how many inputs you have. And I know there is a bit of a weakness in the ring signatures in that it's, you know, the the one that was sent to is most likely, you know, like 90% of the time, the one that's being uh, most recently sent to is the one that's being used. But um, it still provides a, you know, a level of plausible deniability for the ring signatures, plus combined with ring CT and stealth addresses on every single transaction that's been made since February I mean, it, it makes it extremely opaque and Zcash is nowhere near as opaque unless you, you know, you optionally, you know, effectively encrypt it. Uh, so, so the question really what I want to get at is, is that going to, is that going to affect security? Like I know I have the option of having a private transaction and a non-private transaction, but is, does that really do something to compromise the private transaction. Well, part. I, I would say it does because if you if you're stupid, enough, if you send it to some asshole and he gets compromised, right? <laughs> if you send it to somebody who does something, you you like send it to them completely transparent, and then they don't encrypt it. They do open, completely open transactions, and then somebody tags their identity, and then somebody like say a government entity comes and says, "Hey, where did you get that money from?" They can finger you. 
Versus if they can't find them. But you can the do the same place. thing with Monero. No, you can't. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is they can find them. On Monero, you, you can't really trace on the blockchain to find them in the first place. If you're doing something where you get tagged, you can point to someone that gave you that Monero. Co- correct. But what I don't I'm, get the... No, no, no. Yeah. But I'm saying they can't, they can't finger that person based on blockchain evidence. They have to find them another way. With if it's optional and they don't use the encryption, then they could do uh, blockchain and analytics to determine who that person is, right? Yeah, considering so the, the, considering I mean, the previous kind of person was also the... tagged, huh? Uh, and anyways, sorry, what, Mike? what are you saying, Mike? So, so you can kind of think of it at, on Zcash. You have this clear coin and you have this opaque coin, and the opaque coin is basically, for lack of a better word, a token that's pegged one to one with the clear coin. But uh, it kind of it 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 begs the question of what's the point of the clear coin? Um, if the only point of the clear coin, based on if you read back through developer uh, blogs and everything else, it seems to be the point of the clear coin is so that they can use it on things like smartphones. Um, well, that doesn't seem to really mesh with the point of Zcash, which seems to be something that's supposed to provide privacy, and so it it creates this weird dichotomy. But then the second problem is that. If Zcash is supposed to be a coin that creates privacy, yes, uh, you can start to see when people are using clear coins, you can start to figure out who are the actors using this and whatever else. You can figure that out with IP addresses potentially too. Um, but, But more importantly, most users, if something is going to not be mandatory, are going to not use it. Because a clear transaction is just far easier to use and it's the default way to use the system. and most users are not going to be sophisticated enough to, first of all, probably tell the difference. And second of all, they'll, as, as has routinely been shown throughout kind of the digital history of the United States over the last 15 years, people are happy to give up their privacy if it means something is more convenient or cheaper. And, and so that's what's going to happen is that the clear coin on Zcash is going to be more convenient and cheaper. Um, and people won't use the, the other think, way. I think I've heard well, the other thing that's weird about that, that is that times. in theory, well, so in theory, those two coins are pegged one-to-one with each other, but you could actually make an argument that the opaque coin should actually be worth more than the clear coin because if you can obtain an, an opaque coin from somebody else, then it has no history attached to it. Well, that's so like saying to, that's like saying know, freshly mined coins are worth more, like Bitcoin. Freshly mined Bitcoin are worth more than anything you get from anybody else, because it as in no Monero, all coins are equal to each other because you can't trace the history with it. So, so I would say because if you're comparing it directly to Monero, I would say Monero has a, a distinct advantage in that because everything is opaque. But if you're just comparing it to something like Bitcoin. Uh, you, you know, your argument that, you know, there's basically no reason to use it is like the very reason for Alpha Bay and everything else. Those who are extremely interested and have a vested interest uh, in, in privacy for whatever reason, they would definitely use it. Like if Bitcoin had a Zcash like feature like right now, anybody who is doing anything on the darknet markets, I'm sure would be using it for that purpose. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, you know, I could, I could buy that. Yeah. But when, when, you know, it just depends on if you're talking about it versus Bitcoin or if you're talking about it versus Monero. Yeah. So would you say, would you say that it, it might be good to have a convenient way to send and then also a private option? Or do you think, cause I think I've heard Fluffy say that where, you know, you might as well enforce it from the start or else, you know, cause users are going to go for the cheapest, you know, 
easy, uh, less resistant route, well, and mean, you might if, as well make it secure from the get go. If there's no reason, if if it if, if it costs you, which in the case of Zcash, it does cost you something to actually use the privacy feature. In this case, it costs you what, memory, right? It costs you time, a, yeah. a time and memory. It costs you uh, processing power, right? Which you may not have on you at the time. Then yeah, you're 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 only going to use it when you the, need the. Not even talking about the client side requirements of sending a ZK, a ZK snark transaction or whatever. Does it scale better than Monero? The clear coin. Uh, so it has the no. The whole thing. Does it scale better? I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the client requirements. My, my I'm just talking about know. like blockchain stuff. I don't so the, know. The biggest problem with Monero scaling is that you can't really tr- uh, prune the TXO set. Yeah. So there's no such thing as an unspent versus spent TXO in Monero. They're just all transactions and and zcash with their opaque coin has that same problem okay that's why i was wondering uh okay yeah okay uh now it now on the other hand zcash opaque transactions do have a smaller footprint on the blockchain and so a hundred or a thousand or a million transactions in zcash are going to be less megabytes than in monero um, but it's going to be a linear difference because the ring signatures and and also ring ct they add more weight to each transaction yeah there's work going on to try and try and reduce that, but I, I think a, a fact of the matter with Monero is is going to be that transactions with Monero will always be bigger than Bitcoin and probably bigger than Zcash. Yeah, I want I want to ask you for some numbers. How many uh, transactions per second, or roughly, can Monero support, and how how uh, how many gigabytes is that going to increase it a, a year? Let's uh, considering it's. I don't know. Is it a dynamic block size? I don't really know too much, actually. I kind of forget about Monero. I haven't looked at yeah, it in a so long time. Yeah, Monero, so Monero today has a... it. So it has a dynamic cap. And today, I think like the next block can hold something like 40 transactions or something like that. Um, but the way that the dynamic cap works is that if the median... So the median uh, block size is what determines your kind of uh, middle bounds and then double the median block size is the current maximum cap. And if you go above that median block size, and you're also above a minimum of, I think it's 300 um, kilobytes for a block, if you're above both of those things, then uh, with transactions that you add, then the block reward has kind of um, money taken away from it. Uh, and and so, so instead of getting- miners an incentive. Maybe five, yeah, instead of getting five books. Monero, you're gonna get like 4.9. And so the transaction fees that then get paid into um, paying for your Monero transactions in that block would have to make up for whatever the fee is, uh, whatever the deduction is. And so the block size can grow when there's demand because the demand will create sort of a miniature fee market where fees will go up 10% or something like that. The block size will grow. And now the median block size might be 400. And that means that you could have a maximum block of 800. and anything 400 or below would not have this penalty associated. I, I forget. With it. And then it could go back down to 300 or whatever. What's block time? You said two 40. Minutes. So two minutes. So it's 40 transactions in two minutes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you're saying, I mean, so I, and about 40, 40 transactions. transactions. Ballparking it. Yeah. yeah. Now that's a very interesting. So, so that's very similar to the uh, Stephen Pears uh, proposed thing, only with the caveats you said, which are actually very interesting. Because I like the idea of an incentive market where, where it makes transaction fees increase in times of stress because it, it actually reduces the subsidy for the miner. That's actually 
It's pretty elegant, I think. It's pretty cool. So we're talking it's pretty a- much. Oh, sorry. I, I was I was doing some math. So we're probably talking a tenth amount of transactions per second that Bitcoin can do on average. I was getting that because if you multiply that out like five times, so you said two minute blocks. Well, well another way two hundred per another way to minutes. think about it is that an average Bitcoin transaction is what like three hundred bytes or something like that. Two hundred eighty. An average Monero transaction is thirteen kilobytes. Yeah, that's a little bigger. You know, <laughs> quite a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, How big is so the blockchain right now? Plus. I believe that it in the I. I actually think so where below a certain amount, it won't start doing all those fee assessments. And I think it's hanging out right around that minimum, which is 300 uh, kilobytes. Whoa. Sorry. So, and that actually How was hard forked too. Uh, back in April. It used to be like 60 kilobytes, which if you've got 13 kilobyte transactions and you're trying to go above 60, then that means that like four transactions in, you've hit that limit no, and it created all asking, kinds of weird trans, asking, uh, fee incentives and stuff. So they, they forked it up higher. Hey, how so how big is the total blockchain size right now? Uh, that's a good question. So I I did a disk usage on my laptop yesterday. I was about to say, I'm sure you run 30. a node. 30 gig? Yeah. So, so I think it, well, so we have to understand about the way that Monero does its, um, blockchain and storage is that it uses lmdb and so that that has designated 30 gigs towards the database but it hasn't filled up that 30 gigs yet the other thing is that that's like the unpacked blockchain the packed up blockchain that you would need to sync so like what you're getting over you know your internet connection is going to be quite a bit smaller i don't know what that is i would think it's less than 10 gigabytes um, when it's totally packed and then you unpack it onto your hard drive but but transaction volume really low what that's telling me mike is most Moneroers or hodlers. Um. Well, I mean, there's just not much transaction volume, is what I would say. Anyways, but, I, I think that what 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 you could maybe gain from it is that there's not a lot of transaction volume, but probably the transactions that happen are transactions that are a little more meaningful because of that. You know, tra- the transaction fee in Monero is not insignificant. It's something like. I sent I sent today um, a transaction that had a fee of something like two dollars. No, is that right? Got to do this math in my head here real quick. Something like sixty cents. Um, oh, that's so much better I than two dollars. <laughs> I th- I think that that's that's like on the high end of a Monero transaction. I think you can send a lot of them for like closer to thirty cents or twenty five cents right How now. How many mixes? Uh, but it, it depends on you know your inputs and stuff. How many mixins did it have? What's your default? The default is four plus the main one, so five in the ring. Oh, so that's you use the default for that transaction? Okay. Oh, so you, you oh wait, wait. So yeah, for Monero, you the, you have the option of making it more secure? Yeah. You can add you And can it'll add cost more money. Yeah, it makes right. the transaction right now. So it's interesting. The bulk of the bulk of the size of the transaction is the range proof that allows Monero to hide the total transaction um, amount that's being sent. And it's so that range CT. proof is taking up a very large chunk of the transaction data, um, which means that you can grow your ring size quite a bit and it doesn't really change the size of the transaction data because that gotcha. has nothing to do with your range proof. And so you can have like a ring of 10 and it's not going to cost a lot more than a ring of five. And so there's actually talk right now uh, in the developer circles and in various channels 
of setting a higher and mandatory ring. So instead of having this thing that people can set all the kinds of different rings, it'll be like everybody uses 10 or everybody uses 20 or something like that. So um, which it, actually prevents some attacks because right now if it's like known that somebody is using a random number like 13 rings then if if you see something in the in the blockchain that's 13 rings they would be like oh that's probably for right that guy. you and can so, flag it yeah because it's different yeah that makes a lot of sense you would want to make it as as um homogenous as possible you want to camouflage um so so what's What's coming down the pipe for Monero? Well, you know, other than you know apparel and and anything else, what 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 other feature sets are they looking at adding? Or will it pamp? <laughs> will I don't know. Pump? I, <laughs> That's what everybody I wants pamp to it. No, um, no. So the well, things that are being worked on that I've heard of, some there's a one developer who's working on just reducing the size of that range proof that I was talking about, so it would make the transactions be smaller. Um, there are people that are currently working on adding multi-sig to Monero, which multi-sig is a lot, diff lot different than Bitcoin um, because just because of the way that the ring signatures work. And so it adds a little bit of extra complexity and it hasn't been implemented into Monero yet. Um, the GUI is in beta 2, which basically means it's usable, but in theory it's going to be released. There's a num There's three different mobile wallets that are supposedly being worked on, maybe four. Um, but, uh, I mean, at this point, it's something where like anybody who's in the Bitcoin ecosystem can probably use Monero and anybody who's not probably can't cause it's too technical. I mean, that's funny. Cause that makes me think of Scott, how he gave away a Monero that no one claimed on our Slack channel for like two weeks or something. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was like literally a Monero. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't really worth getting <laughs> at the time. It might be now, but it, at the time it was not. Hey, uh, <laughs> Mike, so I have a question. Uh, I was, I was always under the impression that, uh, you know, propagation was the biggest issue, not really the storage space. So I'm actually not hugely worried about the fact that this blockchain isn't scalable because of space. I'm more worried, like, you know, the fact that you have two minute blocks and you have larger blocks potentially especially with a dynamic block size if you get a lot of users how is that going to affect uh attack vectors uh you know you propagation seems like it would be a nightmare especially if that starts dynamically scaling up uh as far as block size i mean i've i've heard people talk about you know it would almost be ideal if you could have like a couple blocks a day versus every 10 minutes for bitcoin even uh for for that reason so what what what's going to happen as far as uh, you know ethereum obviously has like uncle blocks and they do like weird shit but you know what what is what's that is that even an issue for monero mooners or what, what is that about <laughs> yeah no that's that's definitely an issue um you know we, we run the hurry up offense when we're playing uh, and out on the field and uh sometimes there's miscommunications that occur and it causes you to you know fumble the ball um but uh, no, so I mean, if, if you do the math behind it, there, it takes something what, like 10 seconds, the kind of anything that goes on in, in the network gets propagated to the whole network or something like that. And so if a block gets found, let's say it takes 10 seconds for all the pools to know about it. Um, well, that's 10 seconds out of, you know, 120. That's a pretty large fraction. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do get you, you do get a lot of instances where you'll see um, the same pool will mine a couple blocks in a row, um, especially if they mine them fast, because basically like they knew about a block and then were able to mine on top of it before everybody else even knew about that block. Um, 
And that's certainly an issue. Uh, I don't think that the Monero ecosystem is built out enough where you have all these people who are running these pools to have like developed all these spy mining techniques and whatever else that I think it was Paul that was talking about this last yeah. week, maybe. Um, and if Monero to becomes show, something that I feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a long drive in the morning. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if Monero becomes something that becomes, you know, like significant uh, as far as the, the economic, um, potential behind the network, then all of those things will develop. Um, yeah. As it is right now, yeah, it's a problem. Um, and if blocks get too big, then it becomes an even bigger problem. And it all depends on, you know, what's the latency in the network. And in oh, theory, course, that latency will course. go down as technology yeah. goes up, but you can't, you can't guarantee that. So, so, so I have a question. What are your thoughts on Mimblewimble? And do you think it, you know, if implemented, it's like, uh, you know, would it be a, like, would it be a better version of Monero? I mean, it's got some, got some serious advantages to it. It would be much, much lighter weight and, uh, and presumably, you know, more opaque even. (laughs) So, and what do you think? And Paul Stortz will make it on a Bitcoin drive chain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it would be peg one to one (laughs) Bitcoin or whatever. I don't even know if that's possible because yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know either. I yeah. was just saying that you can't script it. So I don't, I, I don't know enough. I don't know enough in detail about it, but from what I have read about, and that's primarily because I just don't have the time to read about everything. Um, but from what I do know about it, it does show a lot of promise. And um, it's certainly an, an interesting thing that could in, in theory, take away Monero's entire, you know, market other than being. And so then it, it becomes a question of, well, what does Monero give you if you have Mimblewimble? And I think it partly depends on how does Mimblewimble get implemented? Does it get implemented on Bitcoin or as an altcoin? And then the second thing is that, is there still value to having this totally different implementation using totally different technology? Um, well, and I think that there might be, but who knows? I, I like, I mean, you seem very rational. Uh, we'll probably wrap it up soon. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I do want to ask you one more thing. What, what do you think about stuff like Ethereum? Like, are you completely like thinking Ethereum's a scam or what would you say Ethereum has great potential use cases in the future? Like what, what's your thoughts on that? I just want to hear them. So, so smart contracts, in my opinion, are either very limited or not very smart. Um, because if you look at all of the smart contracts that want to do anything remotely complicated, they rely on an Oracle to feed in data. And so as an example, I'll just real quick talk about something that exists today and that's Prism, where you can, you know, create these portfolios on Prism that tie your Ethereum to the price of all these other things that you have in your portfolio, but they're dependent on an Oracle. And, and right now that Oracle shapeshift and in the future, supposedly the Oracle can be something else that everybody agrees upon or whatever. But once you have that Oracle, you no longer have a smart contract. And I, I hope that there's a burrito waiting for me, too. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you, you no longer really have a true smart contract. I would say what you have is not smart and it's not a contract because it's an application that could have been developed on any other coin with a multi-signature technology um, that was reliant on somebody feeding in some type of data and ultimately trusting that that data is fed incorrectly. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying that Shapeshift would ever abscond with people's money, but if somebody were to hack their Oracle, they could open up prisms that would, you know, if they threw their Oracle in one direction or another, it would greatly benefit them and they could, you know, double their money very quickly. Well, and then that a, would affect everybody else. That's a potential weakness. But I mean, it's it's now those things are possible, whereas in the past, like such a thing could never even be attempted. So, I mean... I don't know. I would say it's a step forward, well, even though it's why imperfect. Couldn't, why couldn't you do Prism with Bitcoin right now? 
we'll ask Shapeshift that on September 13th. Make sure to watch <laughs> our our live uh, meetup. Right. Selfless oh, yeah, plug. We're gonna be we're gonna be broadcasting that. Oh, we'll yeah. see. Cool. Yeah, uh, no, I I don't know. I would imagine an implementation of a smart contract of that caliber using Bitcoin script would be kind of hard. But <laughs> well, you I don't, don't even need that though. You just you need you need a multi-signature wallet that has your Oracle as one person, you as another person, and then somebody to take the other side of the bet as the as the third person. And right now, the way that Ethereum is structured, Shapeshift is both the Oracle and the person taking the other side of the bet. Right, and but you couldn't so programmatically, you know, I mean, you would have to actually have somebody flip the switch, you know, versus having an oracle. You couldn't you couldn't really trust an oracle with the programmatically in, you know, and that's kind of the advantage that Ethereum Well, but you're you. already trusting that. Well, no, no, yeah, but what, right? what I'm saying is right, right. It's not about it's not about trusting. What I'm saying is the advantage Ethereum gives you is not trust. It gives you the ability to automatically execute. You know what I mean? Not have right. to have and, a person and so flip the, a switch. But, but yeah. so so the weakness then, if you were to do this with with Bitcoin, would be that you would need somebody to execute the contract. The weakness with Ethereum is that if somebody compromises the Oracle, all prisms are compromised. Well, that's true. Every single one of them. I mean that 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 that's true. That so, goes without saying. If if an Oracle, I'm going to make sure to ask that Mike for you. But I want to make sure to to press him you. on that. But I mean, if 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 you go through disparate amounts of oracles and you decentralize your oracle process, which obviously it's not initially, but if you do in theory decentralize your oracles instead of getting it from one source, you yeah. get it from a hundred sources. It, it gets a little, you know, a little more confident. Yes. But yeah, but but again, sure. you know, you could not yeah. even hack them, but hack the methodology that it uses to scrape them, or what you know what I mean. So uh, it gets a little hairy. But I I, I take your point. Yeah, and and I don't mean to signal single out Prism there. I'm I'm just using them because they're an example that exists today. If if this was something There's like not, a not many, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, somebody feeding in any type of information into some type of Oracle driven smart contract. So yeah. So I'm eating a burrito while y'all are talking. I think we should uh, probably wrap this up. And we have uh, Catan night or board game stuff to get to later. But well, um, thanks very much, Mike. It's been great having what, you. On. We usually do a sign off. Uh, but first, yeah, yeah. where can people find out more about you? Where can people listen to your awesome podcast? I've been enjoying I've listened to every show that you have. Where can people hear it? Where can people find it? Yeah, so go to moneromonitor.com. We've got a new show coming out um, beginning of next week that I uh, talked with Peter Van Valkenburg and Jerry Brito at Coin Center. Burrito? Um, and so if... if you yeah, 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 exactly. Sorry. <laughs> but if you uh, if you are interested in what an hour long conversation with two lawyers in the space would sound like if you don't ever bring that up the words ICO, <laughs> then uh, you should listen to this episode because uh, I think it's a really interesting conversation and we don't even talk about that at all. Um, but yeah, MoneroMonitor.com. I'm on Twitter, MoneroMonitor. I'm Big Red Machine on Reddit if you see that. Um, I, I think like it's Monero Mike on block time. Half the reason I wore that. <laughs> So we should probably yeah. pamp ourselves. Mike on block time. So uh, it's uh, we should pamp. Yeah, um, Mike B Casey, and I'm I'm the Black Marble on Twitter, and I am the man with the name that he cannot pamp. Mike twenty one. Good luck finding me. I'm on Twitter and everywhere. <laughs> You're also the name that posts this, so they'll they'll know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um. Well, if they listen on SoundCloud, they won't see Mike twenty one. No. It's only on uh YouTube. But anyways, uh, Mike, I think with that, the nonce has been found. And our blocks are mentally ill. Mike. And we, and we have spun our ring up. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for propagating, propagating, everybody. Bye.